Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. All right. I set the over-under on the votes for impeachment at, at eight Republican senators. Um, that would have been, if you were in Las Vegas, the betting line. You know, if you were going to set the line, it turned out to be seven that ended up voting to convict. But regardless, it was nowhere near the 17 that you needed to impeach. So for the second time in approximately a year, Donald Trump, now former President Donald Trump, finds himself acquitted of the impeachment charges against him. The result of this means that Donald Trump, should he choose to run again for president in 2024, would be able to do that. All right. So if the goal of this was to stop him from running for office again, that 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 failed. But just because you can do something doesn't mean you will do something, doesn't mean you should do something, and doesn't mean you would have any success in doing that. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that Donald Trump was acquitted in the impeachment case. He was acquitted for a number of reasons, including the fact that I think you had some Republican senators who legitimately did not believe it was constitutional to impeach somebody who was no longer in office. That's number one. And number two, there were political consequences because Donald Trump continues to um, hold a lot of power among certain people who tend to vote Republican. So I think there were the two things that were there, a legitimate concern about the impeachment process uh, as to whether it applies to people who aren't in office and also political ramifications from that. Even though he has been acquitted, it is my theory that Donald Trump will not run for president again, and that Donald Trump as a political force is, if not over today, he's on the verge of being over. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, I understand that you have a Republican Party right now that is split, some people just continue to, you know, all right, the president can do nothing wrong. The election was stolen, all that. But I think that number is dwindling, and I think it's dwindling quickly. I think as time goes by, Donald Trump, while he will still still have his loyal supporters, as time goes by, I think the Republican Party is going to move on. I do not believe that he is anywhere near the political force that he may have been had he just accepted their election results in early November and not did not done all the things that he did after the election. 855-616-1620. I think the president or former president has just completely and totally cratered his brand. And yes, he might have rallies. And yes, he might show up on Newsmax or some other station. But as far as being a major influencer, I think that's done. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will Donald Trump continue to be a major force in the Republican Party or in politics in general? 855-616-1620. Jeff, I saw a bumper sticker that says Trump 2024 in Scottsdale this weekend. I think it's crazy. 
Well, I think it's crazy, too. I think as a political force, he's going to be history. And I'd be surprised if in 2023 you see too many of those bumper stickers. Jeff, I was disgusted with the Republicans. Our vice president was in danger because of him. I will never vote for Trump again. All right. Is that where you stand? 855-616-1620. I understand that Donald Trump got over 70 million votes in 2020. My guess is if the election were held today, knowing what we know now and knowing the way the president behaved after the election was over, my guess is, well, I don't know, he'd be lucky to get 35 million votes. I understand that some people don't accept this. I understand that some people don't want to hear it. But the truth of the matter is I think it's way past time for the Republican Party to move on. And living in the past, and right now the past is Donald Trump, I think is a recipe for disaster. And I think most people are ready to move on. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Headline on the Wall Street Journal, which is their editorial page, is one of the few conservative editorial pages among mainstream newspapers in the country. Trump's non-vindication. He may run again, but he won't win another national election. I don't think he's going to run again, but I certainly agree with the idea that he's not going to win another national election. Uh, unfortunately, the way he behaved... After the election in November, leading up to all the stuff that happened at the Capitol, I think as a political matter has completely and totally destroyed his brand, even among mainstream Republicans. And the further we get away from the election, I think the less influential he is going to be. Fred and Wind Lake. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Yes, I, I think you are 100% correct in your um, assumption that uh, – that the, the damage he caused with the stance that he took was uh, was just remarkable. He'll he'll never be able to come back from that. And then, like you said, even if he runs again, I don't believe that he will get elected. I do not know why the Republicans still back him the way they do, but I think that's starting to fall apart also. Yeah, I think as time goes on, I mean, I, again, I, I think that what would happen, and you saw it play out in the impeachment, I, I think that there were a, a lot of Republican senators who were appalled by what happened at the Capitol and were appalled by the president's refusal to accept the reality that he lost and were especially appalled by his behavior that day, including sitting around for hours while the Capitol was being trashed and doing absolutely nothing. And, and, and yeah, it, it might be one thing not to vote to convict him in an impeachment proceeding, but it's certainly another thing to say that what you think was good. I, I, I just think, in general, the Republican Party wants him to go away. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. They, they just yeah, don't that, know how to do it. Well, right. No, th- thanks. So, and I guess the question is going to become, well, you know, what role does Donald Trump want to to play? And for people who think that he could get reelected again, uh, he, I mean, here, I mean, here's the question. First of all, he's going to be 78 in four years. Secondly, what ends up happening is is voters move on. I mean, look at people who who try to run again and again and again. Joe Biden, I understand, might be the exception to that. But if Donald Trump couldn't get elected, reelected when he was the president, when you had all the powers of incumbency before all the craziness happened after the November election. How in the world is he going to be able to win again? And I think what Republicans need to come to grips with is that, you know, actually for all 
all the fact that Democrats are complaining and yelling and shouting and screaming, the, the, the biggest gift to whoever runs the Democrat in 2024, whether it's Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or somebody else, would be Donald Trump running again because he has no chance to win. 855-616-1620. Larry in West Bend. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. I, I guess um, the way I, I look at it, I would say that uh, for the Republicans, I think Trump is still a force. I, I think that even if you use your benchmark and say half the people of the Republicans wouldn't vote for him, but half do, if you've got half the Republican voters backing one candidate in the primary, that candidate is a force to be reckoned with. And if you've got a if you've got a field of four or six or twelve candidates, and one candidate is getting half the votes, uh, I, I think that's that's something that the Republicans are going to have to deal with as they as they look at 2024. Okay, so let let's assume that for some reason he's able he's he runs he's able to get the nomination because again he, he's able to retain this control that he's had on on the party for the last couple of years. All right, so you get to the general election. He gets killed, doesn't he? I mean, he just gets slaughtered in the oh, general election. It, it's I, I'm not right. I'm not saying that he can win again, but okay. I'm saying he could very easily win the Demo- the Republican primary again, and and then you face you know as the Republican Party, what do you, what do you do with that if he does run? Because you have a well, lot of people you... that he brought into the party. You have a lot of people that he brought into the party that hadn't voted prior. Th- those people are going to vote for him that may not vote for another Republican. And, you, and I think that's a big yeah. challenge that the Republicans face. Oh, oh no, there, there's there's no question that that is the challenge the Republicans face moving forward, which is how to, in my opinion, how to move past Donald Trump, who is just flat out unelectable, you know, moving forward on a national level. How to move past him, but yet keep those, those Trump supporters who weren't the traditional Republicans. J- just like I think the Democrats' problem is. You know, Joe Biden's getting incredible pressure to move to the left. How do you how do you deal with the extreme progressive wing of the Democrat Party along with all the the people who are more centrist? It's it, it, it both it's it's a dicey proposition for both sides. But Trump clearly yeah, is the absolutely. elephant in the room. Yeah, he's well, the elephant in the room. If you look back to 2016 and you think of all the next generation highly qualified conservative candidates that the Republicans had, and Scott Walker, and Marco Rubio, and Ted Cruz, and Bobby Jindal, and you had all those guys, you know, what are those names as we're going forward as we're looking towards 2024? Yeah, no, th- th- no. Thanks for calling. And and you know, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Nikki Haley's, and you know, Nikki Haley has been sort of walking this tightrope, but by being uh, appalled at the behavior of Donald Trump after the election. And again, I see, I I think the conversation we're having today, not because of the impeachment proceedings, but the conversation we are having today would be markedly different if the president had been the least bit gracious in accepting the election defeat. I'm not saying he had to roll over and not file court challenges, but but that's not what he did. He clearly carried it multiple steps. And and whether you think he was legally complicit in what happened with the, the riots at the Capitol or not, he clearly did nothing to discourage them and clearly in many respects embrace that. And, and I think whether it's going down all the crackpot theories about the election being stolen, and most of the theories are in fact crackpot theories, or again, the, the embracing or the failure to condemn the rioting, I 
I just think he's damaged his legacy completely. I think he's a lot less powerful today than he would have been if he would have graciously accepted defeat and then started planning for a comeback. If that's really what he intended to do, because again, he's 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 going to be 78 at the time, and the question becomes, and I understand that Biden is 78, but the question becomes, all right, do do you launch yourself? How do you spend the next few years? How do you keep yourself politically relevant? Do you even want to keep yourself politically relevant, especially given all the problems that he's going to have, the financial challenges, all the different legal fights that's out there? Or do you simply say, you know, I was the president of the United States. I don't need to try to, again, get reelected at 78. Walter in Edgerton. Walter, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. Thanks for taking my call. What do you think? I go, I go back to when he was first announced as a candidate for president. I thought if the Democrats had come up with a plan to ruin the Republican Party, they could not have picked a better person. And I don't think he's done because I don't think he's done trying to ruin the Republican Party. I think he's going to try and come back because... He's not really a Republican, and he doesn't want a real Republican in office. So if he's going to run to ruin the election for the Republicans. Do you think he think do you think that Donald Trump realistically thinks he could win a, a national election again? No, I don't think so. But I think he thinks that he can sway the election. Right. So you could be a you, you could be an influencer even if you can't win. Yeah. yeah. Right. I guess, like, I, like the yeah. uh, one in one in twelve team that that, that beats the Steelers. Right. And knocks and right and knocks them out of their right and knocks them out of the playoff position. Thanks for calling. I, I don't see. I, I I'm not saying. I want people to understand. I'm not saying that I think Donald Trump is just going to go away. That that's that is clearly not his personality. And if you look at the things that that he's saying after the impeachment, which was you know what one of the one of the reasons that I was arguing you shouldn't go through the impeachment, you should do a censure process or something like that, is that you know he he still says we have much work ahead of us, and soon we will emerge with a vision for a bright, radiant, and limitless American future. You know he he says that um, you know our our work has only just begun, which isn't the, the conversation that somebody would typically have if they were willing to go quietly into the good night. I'm just saying as a candidate. Now, can I see Donald Trump doing rallies? Can I see Donald Trump using the, the money that he raised, particularly after the election? Can I see him using that, you know, in his, as, as, a, as a way to try to be a power broker? Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think he's going to go away quietly. But him as a, a major institutional force, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I will tell you this, and I understand some of my conservative friends, or at least Republican friends, don't like to hear this, but... The sooner the Republican Party moves on from Donald Trump, the better it is going to be because he is unelectable. And I, I know I didn't think he was going to win in 2016. I, I understand. But looking back, let's let's understand probably the only person, the only person who was 
He was at the time, he was the unknown quantity, and people despised Hillary Clinton. So if the Democrats nominate pretty much anybody other than Hillary Clinton, I don't know that Donald Trump wins. As I tried to explain, though, during this election process, Trump was no longer the unknown candidate. He was the one that it all centered around. And let's be honest, the votes for Joe Biden were less votes, gee, we love Joe Biden, it's more like we don't like Donald Trump. And I don't understand if he couldn't turn that around and dramatically expand his base to get a majority of votes or a majority of electoral college votes. If you couldn't do that when you were the president, how in the world do you do it moving forward? So our bottom line is I agree with the Wall Street Journal's conversation. He might run again, but he's not going to win another national election. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to flip the script on this, though. Real interesting column in the New York Times about all the people out there who spent the last four years trying to undermine Donald Trump, hating Donald Trump. Are you ready to move on? We'll discuss. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, you had 70, here's a couple texts, you had 74 million people vote for him. Yes, there are some who've left him behind, but the majority of the 74 million will still back him, thus a split in the party. Now, see, I, I just, I disagree completely. I, I don't believe that the majority of the 74 million who voted in this election would vote again. Jeff, I voted for Trump. I love Trump. The election was stolen, but no, I don't think he should vote again. I don't think he should run again um don't know time will tell but um i think the vast majority of people are probably ready to move on if you're not if you want to relive the next four the last four years over the next four years i think you, you better well remember wagner's rule of life number one life is tough get a helmet jeff wagner on wtmj <laughs> One final text on the first aspect of the impeachment, whether or not Donald Trump continues to be viable. And I understand a number of people disagree with my sense that as a political force, can he be around? Yes. As a as a candidate moving forward, I, I just it's not going to happen. At least there's no chance of, of winning. And my point is, after the 2000, after everything that went on last November and his response and his refusal to accept the fact that he lost the election and then the different remarks and then the Capitol riots, regardless of whether or not Donald Trump is legally responsible for that or not, seems to me it's it effectively ended his chances to run for re-election to be elected again. Jeff, my my husband and I voted for the party both times in favor of Trump. Two of our children were appalled. Many arguments about his character. Now we are embarrassed by him. Clearly, he encouraged the Capitol riots. He needs to go. All right. So he, he, he's gone right now. He's in Mar-a-Lago you know, walking the, the golf course and things of the like. So Trump is out of the picture. So my question now is, all right, after four years of people being obsessed with Donald Trump, will the left be willing to let it go? If you are one of those Trump haters, and you know who you are, 
the people who refuse to accept the fact that he could have beaten Hillary Clinton in 2016, which he did, just like Joe Biden beat him in, in 2020, the people that refuse to accept that this could be a legitimate election, the people who promoted all the different Russia, Russia, Russia conspiracy theories over the first couple years, the people who refuse to accept that this was a legitimate presidency over the last four years, the people who could, and I lump in many people in the mainstream media, who couldn't get past the president's personality and character or lack thereof to acknowledge that, you know, some of the things that were done weren't very, very successful. And those people, and I've described them before, the folks for whom Donald Trump could never do anything right, that if he personally gave you a $100 bill, you would complain because it's not 520s and you have to go to the bank and you have to change it. And it's hard to change a $100 bill. Well, now Donald Trump, he's out of office. Democrats are in the White House Democrats have a tie, but effective control of the U.S. Senate if they're able to keep their party intact. Democrats still control the House of Representatives. Democrats have won everything. Are you ready? Are Trump haters ready to move on? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And actually, what we got, got me thinking of this is, is Keith Olbermann. Remember him, the guy from ESPN and MSNBC, big time, kind of frothing at the mouth lefty. He, he wrote an opinion piece over the weekend in the New York Times saying, is this the end of obsessively hating Donald Trump? Loathing him has been a passion, an addiction, a compulsion. Let impeachment be the last hurrah. And sort of the point of this is he thinks it's time for people to move on. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are people going to move on, or is the Trump derangement syndrome going to outlive the Trump presidency? And my answer is, unfortunately, yes. I can just, I I see where this is going, because people aren't going to be able to let it go. Because so much of the last several years, so many people have been invested in the notion that Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Christ. Donald Trump is evil. That the fact that he's lost the election, the fact that he's not in office anymore, the fact that he's in his own form of sort of political exile, that, that's not going to be enough. And the idea, even if he had been impeached, they convicted after being impeached, that wouldn't be enough. I, I think short of Donald Trump being sentenced to 20 years in prison, which in all likelihood is not going to happen, it, it's not going to be enough for the Trump haters out there. And, and I just, we're, we're going to be talking about this, I'm afraid, for the next couple years. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the end of obsessively hating Donald Trump? He's gone but I don't think he's going to be forgotten. I don't think people are going to be able to get over the Trump derangement syndrome. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Is this the end of the obsessive Trump hating? Jeff, I am a true Trump hater. But I can let it go because I am so glad to see him gone. I wish everybody would just let it go because the more attention we give him, the more it just feeds his ego. If we would ignore him, 
That would bother the heck out of him. Jeff, of course they won't leave Trump alone. He completes them. Hating him is both their derangement and their strategy. Demonizing Trump and his supporters is the best policy to give them cover for their lousy agenda. The GOP must get on with governance and leave this train wreck. Jeff, I'm 100% ready to move past this period in history. Let's hope the left doesn't drop the ball while they have the advantage. Jeff, I couldn't agree more. Some of my relatives... Um, have only become close over the last five years because of their common hatred for Trump. When they speak to one another, every conversation is about Trump. Um, Jeff, there's nothing you can say that will change my mind on Trump. I don't want to hear his name anymore. I hate him. I won't get over it. I hope the GOP implodes. Jeff, the hate Trump people will never go away. Jeff, it will continue. There is still Walker derangement syndrome a decade later. later. That you know, that's a very, very compelling argument. This is, we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of Act 10, and there are a lot of people who just still haven't gotten over that. 855-616-1620. Scott on the south side. Scott, good afternoon. Um, good good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my phone call. My, again, my, sure. my take on this topic is that the, again, is, 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 I'm glad to see Donald Trump is gone away from the presidency. My take is that Donald Trump will not go away, and the reason why he will not, or the attention paid to him will not go away is because of the pending federal and civil litigation, which he which, which he has against them in Georgia, New York, D.C., what are plus he's probably going to get come under DOJ investigation for what happened on January 6th. So I see, unfortunately, because Donald Trump, whatever, has eyeballs or brings in eyeballs for I don't care what media outlet you, whatever you subscribe to mm-hmm. or listen to, Donald Trump is not going to go away until all this litigation, whatever, is behind us. Is there? I, I, my question is a sincere one: Is for the people that don't like Donald Trump, when, when is enough enough? Will will that will there ever be enough? Short of him, you know, doing a perp walk in an orange jumpsuit. I mean, I guess I, I try to look and see what what the end game is, and I I, I don't disagree. There's going to be people saying, "Gosh, I hope they go after him in Georgia for that phone call to the Secretary of State, and I hope they go after him for this or that or the other thing, and I hope he gets bankrupted." I, I just Will there ever be enough? Do you think? I, I mean, my take. I mean, I don't. Again, my take is that it's just like what you said. Until he's wearing an orange jumpsuit with a pair of handcuffs on and being let out of Mar- and being let out let out, <laughs> let out of Mar- Mar-a-Lago and being put into the back of the squad car, that's what it's going right. to take. Got it. Thanks for calling. Well, I, I don't, and, and I'm not even sure, I'm not even, thanks for calling, but I'm not even sure that would be enough. I, and again, because the, the Trump hatred and the Trump haters out there, and you know who you are, and we, we've talked over the last four years, are, are so obsessed with this, I, I don't even know that him doing the perp walk out of Mar-a-Lago in the orange jumpsuit would be enough. I think it would be, well, you know, what, what prison are they going to send him to? I hope this isn't a country club prison that he ends up going to. I want him, where, how about Leavenworth? Let, let's see what his life is in Leavenworth and I, we want him in a in a seven by 11 cell I, and I'm not even sure that would be enough to satisfy the Trump haters the interesting thing is going to be and, and you were alluding to it Scott was the, the, the mainstream media the New York Times of the world and the Washington Posts of the world and the NBC's and the CBS and the ABC and the MSNBC's they've they've made so much money 
by fanning the by by playing to the, the, the Trump haters, the people who have that Trump derangement syndrome, at some point in time their challenge is how do we keep this going because we want to continue to get the eyeballs. We want to continue to get the subscriptions. Is there a certain point in time where people say enough is enough? Jenny in Milwaukee. Jenny you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Um, my Hi. take, and I'm an voter, so I'm when I say they, I'm not taking sides. Um, you know, I, I personally like some of his fiscal policies, but he did try to stir the pot quite a bit, in my opinion. However, mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to stop punishing him when they get um, they till they until they can take revenge on those that continue to support him and um, his ideas um, until that's done, you know, until those, I guess, the conservative, the Republican um, have to make amends for what he did. And until they they quit supporting him, it's going to be an issue. Which tells me it's probably going to be a long time because we were talking about earlier, there, there's still people, I mean, Scott Walker remains a very, very divisive figure in, in Wisconsin because there's a lot of people who right. think, like I do, that he was an absolutely tremendous governor. And there's all sorts of people that think he was just absolutely horrible. So if your theory is right, Jenny, we're, we're, we're going to be looking at this. It's going to be same old, same old for years to come, I guess. Right, because if they... If, there's people out there that if they keep protecting him or keep, keep you know, putting their um, their mm-hmm. politics behind him, uh, which I believe some are, um, it, it's not going to go away. Thanks to Carl. I appreciate it. Well, again, and I think part of it is be, be, being a Trump hater, just like being you know somebody that drank the Kool Aid. Being a Trump hater is it's a cottage industry. Again, the the their there are newspapers, there are TV stations that saw the ratings go through the roof by, by playing to the Trump-hater crowd. And, again, I, I understand that it's not just enough that he's not in office. It's not just enough that he lost the election. And, yes, he, he lost the, the election. But they're not going to be satisfied. And I guess I do wonder, what will will there ever be enough? And my, my sense is probably not. And my, my sense is that... Uh, Donald Trump is going to continue to be front-page news for the, at least the foreseeable future. Now, you wonder, what does that do to, to Joe Biden and, and the agenda? Because ha- when your party is in control now, and the Democrats are, are in control, it's, it's one thing if, you, if you've got to have the bogeyman, you, the, the, the bogeyman, you've got to have the villains that, that you, know, you play against. And Donald Trump, in the minds of some people, is a hero, and in the minds of other people, he was just an absolute villain. But you know, once once that villain's gone, how long can can you keep that going? How long can you churn up your base by animosity to a guy who's not in office anymore? Now, I think there's still going to be a lot of effort to do that. Paul and Brown Deer. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How you doing? Love your show. What do you think? Thank you. What do you think? I think that no, this is it, it is much much too 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 profitable. It's too much entertainment. There's nothing else on the horizon. There's no wars to uh, be the boogeyman. There's no uh, outside threat to be the boogeyman. So, no, Trump's not going anywhere as far as entertainment value to the main, main media and to the people that support him. As far as uh, Biden, Biden's, everybody can look at Biden and see he's a, he's a fatherly, nice guy, and he's going to sail through this by being able to use Trump as a boogeyman for the next four years for anything. Mm-hmm. And... I think that uh, 
be that as may, I, I just hope that Trump does stay around because I don't want to see uh, what they did to Trump happen to Joe Biden because Joe Biden's a much nicer guy and he's an older guy. He reminds me of my grandfather. But that being as, as, as it is, we, we still have to get on with the business of the United States. So yeah. for the next four years, I don't think the business of the United States is going to be on the front line agenda. It's going to happen in 2024. So we got to play this out for four more years unless there's something crazy that happens. So I think we're just stuck with this for the next four years. Thank you. I'm not sure. I thank, thanks for the call, Paul. I'm not sure I have the energy to stick with this for for the four years. The the, the and, and again, I, I, it's whether it's the whether it's the 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 people who've drank the Kool Aid with regard to Donald Trump and he can't do anything wrong, or or just the vicious the vicious Trump hatred that is out there that make that seriously does make me wonder about what what is what is enough uh, enough and 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 when does that end? And and candidly, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there is a, enough is enough, and I'm not sure that this goes away, but I do agree with, with you, Paul, and I think we'll, we'll wrap up the conversation with that. I, I think I think we're in for a bumpy four years because, again, it's, it's not going to be policy. Uh, Donald Trump is going to continue to be in the news. There's no question uh, about that, whether it's new, in the news by his own choice by trying to remain a political force, if that's at all possible, or alternatively, by virtue of the fact that you're going to have so many of these different investigations. There, my guess is there will be a commission investigating the January 6th Capitol riots along the lines of a 9-11 commission. My guess is that's going to happen. That'll keep Trump in, in the news. There's no question about it, because the question's going to be, you know, what did the president do? What did he know? When did he know it? All those sorts of things. So you've got that that's going to be going on, and you've got the fact that I think there's a lot of mainstream Democrats who understand that there is a split in the Republican Party, and it is to their political advantage to continue to fan those flames to try to keep the Republican Party divided so maybe you can slip your own things through. So there, there's a political reason for it from the perspective of some of the mainstream media. There's an economic um, advantage to it because hating Trump has been really good for certain industries for a while and they don't know exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to pivot so you know they're going to try to figure out ways to hate Trump bottom line is um, if anybody thinks things are going to calm down because of this and because President Trump is gone my, my answer is no because even though I don't see him as, as a viable political force moving forward, th- there's a lot of the Trump haters out there who aren't ready to give it up. And so, uh, again, buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Every 15 minutes, a baby is born with a congenital heart defect. All this month, please join our very own Greg Matzik as he teams up with the Children's Heart Foundation to help advance the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of congenital heart defects. To find out how you can help, go to WTMJ.com or text the word CARES, C-A-R-E-S, to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum and sponsored by Professional Construction, Inc. All right, um, over the uh, last couple of weeks, I, I haven't, I haven't really been keeping up with my Twitter account that much, but I did send up a couple tweets, including one that I think might be a fitting way to end the hour since we're talking about this. Um, our, our long national nightmare is over. It, it is. Um, not, not impeachment, but the grape nuts. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with us. Here's the reality. We don't have the guts to put people in jail, so what we need to do is start taking their cars. We've talked about this a, a, a while ago. The or During the pandemic, and I guess we're still in the pandemic, fewer miles driven last year than any year for, for decades. Why? Because lots of businesses closed down, lots of people work at home, lots of people are still working at home. So there's not as many cars on the road. There's not as many miles that are being driven. I understand some people are out there driving, but that that's not the... That's not the, the the typical sort of thing. And yet, let's just look at Milwaukee County. Milwaukee County last year, 107 fatalities in motor vehicles. That is the highest recorded total ever for Milwaukee County. That's up 27 deaths from 2019 when there were 80 traffic deaths. And again, what's so staggering about this is that this massive increase in deaths is as a result of, it comes even after people are driving a lot less. So what, what's the deal? Is it drunken driving? No, I don't think it's drunken driving. What it is, pure and simple, is reckless driving. People who just don't care. Now let me tell you a story before we open up the phone lines. Um, I, it's, if you're a regular listener, you know, I kind of screwed up my right foot when I stupidly slipped and fell on a stair a couple weeks ago. So it, it's, it's getting better, and I'm able to walk on it and stuff. But for, I, I wasn't able to drive for a while. Now I'm, I'm, I'm able to drive, but it's still it, it kind of hurts a little bit, so I'm still trying to heal this thing up. So Saturday, if you can remember around here, Saturday the weather was was crummy. The weather's been crummy for the last two weeks, but it was crummy. You had that that all-day snow that had road conditions. You know, it it wasn't like it was snowing six, ten inches, but it was that constant snow, and it was that light snow, and it was so cold that the salt wasn't working, and it was really slippery. Okay, so Saturday, we, uh, my, my wife and I, there's some dear friends of ours who were like like a second mom and dad to my wife Fran growing up, our friends Betsy and Gary, and, and they live out in, in Brookfield, and we, we wanted to go see them on, on Valentine's, for, for Valentine's Day, just to, to stop off and say hi. We had a couple other errands to run. Otherwise, if it wasn't for that, I, I don't think I would have gone out on the roads. But okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm driving on the roads, and I admit I'm being particularly cautious because you know my foot is a little bit screwed up, but the roads were crummy. There's cars in the ditch all over because it's slippery. And so I'm driving on multiple streets at the speed limit. Now, at the speed limit, so I'm not talking about crawling along, and I'm getting passed on the right, I'm getting passed on the left by these cars that are going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit on road conditions that you really should not be driving that fast. And on a couple different occasions, I saw cars that had spun out trying to take turns, and I'm just watching and I'm thinking, okay, these cars that are weaving in and out of traffic in a little bit of a hurry to get someplace, where, where do they think they are going to go? And also knowing that if something goes wrong, if somebody slams on their brakes or whatever in front of them, these cars aren't going to be able to stop, and you're going to have an accident. And depending on how fast they're moving, it it might be that you end up having a a fatal 
accident. So it is this frustration that you see play out, and my guess is my experience is no different than, than yours is. If you go out and about, you just watch you know, one idiot after another driving like an absolute maniac. It is the reckless driving that, that goes on constantly. Now, here are the realities that we deal with. First of all, I, I understand that there's not enough police officers that are out on the street to you know, catch everybody that's driving in a reckless fashion. Secondly, I, I understand that even even if you give people tickets and you give people citations, um, even if, if they've done it eight, ten times or whatever, and even if it's a situation where somebody's driving recklessly and they don't have a valid driver's license because they've lost it, I, I understand that there's not going to be any sort of significant consequence because you know we have we have judges that are unwilling to crack down on any of this. So I'm thinking, how do we get the bad drivers off the road? How do we get the people that are driven in an irresponsible fashion, how do we get them off the road? Well, my thinking is, take their cars. After, <coughs> excuse me, after a, a certain number of violations, or after driving without a license and you get caught again, let's take their cars. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the, the, the number of, of, of auto fatalities in Milwaukee County, all time high, one hundred and seven last year, and, and most of it, in my opinion, it's it's due to reckless driving. And and any time you go out on the roadways, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Whether it, it's dry roads and it's seventy degrees outside, or whether it's crummy like it was on Saturday, you take your life in your own hands because there's people who just don't care. Well, here's the reality. We don't have enough cops to catch everybody. I understand it. And the police officer's frustration is, once you catch them, e- even if it's somebody who's had their license suspended, they're driving without the license, and they've done it seven or eight times, you have municipal court judges who don't have the guts to do anything about it, and you have district attorneys who don't want to package this stuff up and treat it like crimes. So it just goes on and on and on. And everybody else is the victim of this. And sooner or later... You have one of these yo-yos driving on a suspended license, you know, is involved in their seventh automobile crash, and they end up killing somebody. And at that point in time, okay, maybe there's some consequence. I think enough of this is enough, and I think that we need to be more aggressive in, say, taking away automobiles after, I don't know, you've been caught two or three times driving without a license or you're driving without a valid license and you're going 100 miles an hour, I think one of the consequences should be we, we take the car. Now, I understand that in some cases people are texting and making the point that, well, a lot of the times people that are driving recklessly, they're driving stolen cars, so they don't care. And there, there is an element of that. But that's not what it is all the time. I mean, a lot of times it's just people who don't give a rat's rump about anybody else. So, I don't know, if you're driving, if you're driving on a suspended license, if you're driving on a revoked license, if you're driving without a license, and it's your car, is there anything wrong with taking it away from you? Larry and Sheboygan. Larry, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I totally agree with you. Uh, the only thing that I talked uh, to the screener about is, you know, if there is a stolen car situation, there's really not much you can do about the car there, but then there should right. be some legal recourse that the judges are willing to handle and willing to go along with to keep these idiots off the road. 
Well, first of all, Larry, the congregation says amen. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. But you have to understand, at least down here in southeastern Wisconsin, car theft is almost like a rite of passage among kids. You can be a 16-year-old and steal car after car after car, and you're not going to get waived into adult court, and the juvenile judges aren't going to do anything to you. So it's an ongoing frustration. But I I, I'm with you. I mean, it's you, you start by taking the cars as a deterrent, and then if it's a car theft situation or whatever, yes, you have consequences. You you start putting people in jail. But I, I'm not I'm not sure the judges are there, and I'm not sure the general public is there yet. I, I but I'm with you. I mean, if, if it's a stolen car, that's a big deal to people. I think I think that most of the general public is there, just that the general public doesn't get to sit behind the bench and delegate out what they believe should be the proper response um could be no thanks to call well i you you would think so you you would you would think so there jeff um if you take the car isn't it going to hurt the finance companies that hold the liens on the car well no that the the car um if it's a valid lien the car goes back to the finance company or the car goes back if you if you know you're driving a you know, you're you've got a car that's financed through you know Honda Motor Company, and you know it, it ends up getting seized, and you're you're a lien holder. Well, you you lose your equity. It goes back to the um, it goes back to the the car the lien holder. Jeff, I agree with the concept, but I bet auto thefts would go up as well. I think you should lock people up. Well, well, again, I'm 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 on board with that. But I'm just telling you, as somebody who's observed the court system for more years than I choose to acknowledge, I, I just I think that what what happens is we we view we view kids, quote unquote, juveniles who steal multiple cars. We view them as as poor, unfortunate little waifs who are just the product of their environment, and we can't hold them accountable. I mean, heck, we we have people that don't even think they should be held accountable for carjacking. You know, not not just stealing the car, but stealing the car at gunpoint, and and that's people in positions of authority in Milwaukee who feel that. Jeff, Pennsylvania takes cars if not registered or no license gets towed ASAP. To which I say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take the cars. And if it turns out, for example, that you're driving your buddy's car, you don't have a license, you're driving 80 miles an hour, and you drive the car into a a ditch, and it turns out that it's registered to somebody else, well, okay, let the buddy come in and have to prove that he's an innocent owner. Let him have to prove, um, explain why it was that he lent his car to you to drive, and let him prove that he didn't know that you didn't have a license. But let's make it difficult for these people to get behind the road, because I tell you, what we're doing now isn't working this is just a it is staggering when you think about it the most fatalities ever in milwaukee county last year in a year where the number of people on the roads was probably well i don't say an all-time low but my guess is it was a several decade low and my guess is the number of miles driven were at an all-time low as well but it's because the people that are out on the roads many of whom don't have driver's licenses or don't have valid driver's licenses. They just don't care. How fast can we go? There's not going to be any consequence if we get caught. 855-616-1620. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, Jeff, how are you doing today? Good. What do you think? Hey, hey, I I think it's this. uh, We both are, I am a thousand percent in agreement with you on this. First of all, the appetite has been out there. I've been stating this point is that 
maybe something at the common council level that something can get started there because they do have some power. And then with the mayor. And then we start with the basic traffic laws. But I agree, the cars should be taken. They should be impounded. They should have hefty fees of $500. You get in a reckless driving situation, you take someone out, you don't have a driver's license or insurance, and, and yep. you take someone out uh, that, that starts with the vehicle. Once you take away the gun, right, what's the old saying? Take away the gun and the bullets, what do you got? So now yeah. that financial burden is some, who cares about, well, people are saying, well, there might be a law. Who cares about that? That is that person's responsibility or whoever you got the car from. If I took my parents' cars right now or you took your parents' car back in the day and you did something like that, that financial insurance is, is on your parents at that time right. when you're driving their vehicle. So, so right. there again. We need to take some responsibility. So I agree with you. The cars need to be taken. We need to get the common council involved. And you need to get basic enforcement done out here with no license plates on the vehicle, no tags, yep. dark tinted windows. We need to do the basic enforcement. And I thank you, Jeff, for you're doing a great job with this subject. Well, thank you. Well, and this is, look, and see, this is, thanks for the call, Marcus. This, is, this affects us all. All right, see, there, there's lots of stuff that we talk about where it's just a, a theoretical sort of thing. But, but when we're talking about these kind of numbers, I, I, I wonder when enough is, is enough. For the longest time in Wisconsin, and, and we're, we still have a ways to go with drunk driving, but, but we're, we're getting better. And I've always believed, going back to a point that one of the previous callers was making, I, I've always believed that when it came to drunk driving, the, the, population in Wisconsin were way ahead of the, the politicians you know as far as you know people saying enough is enough Th this is the new drunk driving and it's the fact that there's people out on the roads now I understand that you've got some of the the the, the bleeding hearts that are out there for one of a better phrase well how, how can you take the person's car I mean because how are they going to get to work okay yes yes they, they've got they've, they've lost their their driver's license and yes they've racked up all these tickets and, and yes they, they've got all these points but but how are they how are they going to be able to get around if they don't have their car? So let's just look the other way and let's pretend it's not a problem and let them keep driving. Well, okay, you let them keep driving till they go 85 miles an hour through a, a red light and hit and kill somebody. At which point in time they go, oh gee, this person's you know been caught how many times and they're driving and now they've killed somebody and now you've got somebody dead and somebody else is going to have to go to prison. Can't we get involved before that? And all you have to do is look at these numbers and you see objectively, you see objectively that things are bad out there and, and they're worse. I was talking to somebody over the weekend and they were, they were kind of, they were asking me, our, our, our studios are on Capitol and Humboldt and, and Capitol Drive. I, I, I swear to God, I don't care where you are on Capitol Drive. You take your life into your own hands going on Capitol Drive. Just the, I don't know, mile stretch to get from where our studios are to, to get to the, the freeway entrances. I, I challenge you, drive that at any given time. And my guess is there's maybe four red lights, four lights that you'll see. You'll, you'll see somebody blow through the stoplight. You'll see somebody almost go up on a sidewalk. You'll see somebody swerve across a couple lanes. You will see that on an almost everyday occasion. And that's not even to mention like the, the carjackings and, and things like that. But it's not an unusual experience. You take your life into your own hands. There, there aren't enough police to enforce the traffic laws until bad stuff happens. And again, like we were saying, even if 
something happens, you're you're not going to have the, the, the judge. The courts don't do anything anyways. It's just the ultimate slap on the wrist, and so we're all victimized. Well, it's time maybe to, for people to stop saying we're going to be victims and say let let's let's be proactive. Let's let's stop giving lip service to the idea that you know we need to make these roads safer, and let's start stop feeling sorry for the person who's driving the stolen car that's blown through the red light at 80 miles an hour. They're not a victim. The person, even if you're driving your own car or your spouse's car or whatever, and you're weaving in and out of traffic when it's really slippery outside and you're causing people to run off the road. Okay, you're not the victim. It's the rest of us who are out on the roads taking our lives into our own hands on a daily basis. We're the ones that deserve to be protected. And look, and I understand anybody can get caught for speeding. That's not the situations I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that don't have the valid licenses, that have had their licenses suspended, that are driving regardless of this, they're the ones that we need to crack down on. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text, Jeff. It's too complicated to take away the vehicle. I would start by throwing the book at the perpetrators. Well, I have no problem with throwing the book at the perpetrators, but that's not going to happen. That That's just not going to happen. You have gutless municipal court judges who, who won't do it. For more serious cases, you have gutless prosecutors who won't do it. That's not going to happen. Actually, I think taking the car is the easiest thing that's around. Jeff, I was hit twice. First driver had no license, no insurance, not their car. The second guy didn't even report it after two weeks. I called his insurance company. It's a mess. People just go through red lights. Jeff, I bet most of the people who are driving like maniacs don't even have a job. I I don't know. Don't know if that's the case or not, but all the more reason why if the word gets out that you're going to be driving like a maniac and you don't have a license, we're taking the car. We're taking the car. Wouldn't that get people's attention? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Pella Windows and Doors, Wisconsin. Call 855-PELLA-WI and learn how upgrading to Pella Windows and Doors can help you with your home's heating and cooling costs. Hey, one quick note. I was I made a reference to this on, on Friday's program that a very prominent local restaurateur had gotten information he had passed away but wasn't able to confirm it. Um, unfortunately, we, we, we did. As a matter of fact, I sent out a, a tweet on this uh, just the other day. You know, there's a lot of great places in Milwaukee to go if you want a great steak dinner, but one of my favorites – Actually, probably my favorite has always been Jackson Grill, kind of in sort of in the shadow of Old County Stadium and Miller Park, and it's 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 a classic Milwaukee supper club. And so um, I was extremely saddened to learn last week of the passing of Jimmy Jackson, who was the owner together with his wife Heidi, and he was an outstanding chef and uh, just an even better person. And Jimmy Jackson, just a, a Milwaukee icon, He, um, his dad ran Ray Jackson's, which used to be the very, very uh, famous restaurant on, on Blue Mound Road, and it's just it, the family legacy has just been intertwined with Milwaukee for the longest time. And if if you've ever been to Jackson Grill, Jimmy would come out, you know, and see how your meals were doing. Classic Milwaukee Supper Club, and uh, he passed away at the age of 66 last week, uh, way too young. And um, it's just uh, it's just my my comment 
I said, said on Twitter is just to sail on Jimmy. I can't think of how I just can't count the number of just absolutely tremendous meals we, we've had at Jackson Grill, and I was very sad to learn of his passing. Okay, I something happened last night on American Idol. For those of you who who don't know, you know, American Idol was of course a really big thing on Fox a number of years ago, and then it it, it lost popularity, and now it's been picked up by by ABC. And the way American Idol works is you have you have a number of people who try out. To, to get on onto the show, and the first few episodes are the people trying out to try to get the the golden ticket that gets them to Hollywood, and then they have to compete again to see if they become one of like the twelve finalists or whatever the number is. I I am very proud of the fact that I don't watch American Idol. Years and years ago, when American Idol was big. Um, I, I had friends, and my, my late wife used to watch it, and they'd have these parties. And, you, and I mean, I, I would go, and I just listened to them obsess about this. I, I never got it, but, you know, there was always food and beer and stuff. And I was fine. So I've never been a huge American Idol fan. But now American Idol is back. The first episode aired last night, and these are one of the tryout shows. The reason we are talking about this, and I, I didn't watch it live, but I've watched the video of this, is one of the people trying out was was this 16-year-old named Claudia Conway. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because of her parents. Kellyanne Conway was the advisor to to President Trump. She was on my program once or twice, and just a, a sort of fun interview, you know, mile a minute. And she's one of these people that if you if you love President Trump, you'd love Kellyanne Conway. Otherwise, you hated her. But she's she's divisive in that way. Her um, husband George is a, a Republican lawyer who was one of the leading faces of the the anti-Trump crowd, the, the never Trumpers among Republicans. And so over the course of the last several years, it's kind of played out publicly. You've got the husband who's the the prominent never Trumper and you've got the mom who works for President Trump and is one of the voices of the, the Trump administration. Well, in between is the, is Claudia. Claudia is now 16. Claudia is over the last couple of years, I think I think it's been fair to say she's she's been a train wreck. She's become a, a sort of Twitter figure, and and she would tweet out very very personal things. Oh my my mother took away my phone, or my mother and father are fighting, etc. And she's become kind of a, a, a phenomena on on TikTok and stuff. She's got 1.7 million followers on on TikTok as she. You know, has documented all these just interactions with her parents. Now, if she was my kid, she was fourteen, I would have I would have taken away her computer. I, I wouldn't have allowed her to do any of this stuff. You know, because but but she's you know got her own fifteen minutes of fame because of this. Well, anyhow, she wants to decide she wants to try out on American Idol, and so last night in the tryouts on American Idol, you know, she's there. She does a performance. She stops and screws up the first one and then asks to try again she explains who she is and I, I don't i don't know if it was fake or not my guess is the judges probably knew who she really was but she, objectively speaking she's not that good you know compared with, with a bunch of people but you know she's got this story the dad is outside the mom has been filmed you know so you know giving her advice and stuff and it's it's watching this it is this awkward sort of thing where it's very very clear that you have this 16 year old girl who 
may or may not have have talent, but but she's clearly not that talented as far as her singing voice and things like that. But she's there because her parents are famous and because she's got, again, the 1.7 million followers on, on TikTok. And they ended up advancing her. What's been really interesting, because lots of blowback in the industry about the decision that, that ABC made to put this, this 16-year-old on on American Idol, story and variety, how American Idol used Claudia Conway. Um, Claudia Conway digs into her past in the American Idol audition. American Idol used her. Very, very critical things. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I watched, again, the, I didn't watch it live, but I watched it because I saw the feedback on this, and I, I felt... It was one of those things where I, I thought it was uncomfortable. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was exploitive where you have this kid who's, who's there at this stage pretty much exclusively because, you know, her parents are, are famous and they're famous for the controversy. And I'm watching this, and I, I admit, like, the creep factor was about a, a 10 on this thing because I'm thinking, okay, now, look, I, I understand the kid wants to be a star, and, and so she's trying to extend her 15 minutes of fame and all that type of stuff. But at the same time, she is 16 years old. I understand that this is the type of thing that American Idol does. But I watched it, and I just thought, uh you know, at some point in time, maybe somebody needs to step back and say, we've got all this family drama and family angst going here, and maybe, just maybe, even though they're volunteering for it, she's 16 years old, maybe we shouldn't try to hype our ratings for our show by putting this 16-year-old in the middle of it. 855-616-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. If you watched the show yesterday, you know, what did you think about this 16-year-old being on the show? Is it exploitive or, hey, she signed up for it? Who cares? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, again, I, as we frequently ask, my p- first question was, where are the parents here? And, and, you know, given everything this family is going through, your 16-year-old wants to try out on American Idol. This might be one where I just say, "Hun, not going to happen. I'm not signing the waivers. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, again, I, I, I don't watch American Idol, but I, I went back and I, I looked on the Internet for the segment. Claudia Conway, who is the 16-year-old, extremely troubled daughter of George Conway, the prominent Washington, D.C. lawyer who was sort of the face of the never-Trumper movement among Republicans, and her mom, who is Kellyanne Conway, who was, of course, the, the spokesperson for the Trump administration. And the two of them have been sort of fighting in their own way, doing their own, um, you know, Mary Madeline and James um, Carville Im- impression. But the, the 16-year-old, she's now 16, Claudia, for the last several years, she's been using the parental drama to try to increase her social media presence. And she'd, you know, send out texts and she'd say, oh, my mother's saying this and my father's saying this. And it 
and as I said earlier, th- this is a troubled kid. And if I were the parents, I would have taken away. Matter of fact, I, a couple of different times I was going to do topics about this, about how I would have, if it was if it was my kid, I would have taken away your, I would have cut off the internet, I would have taken away your phone because it it just doesn't seem to me good. Well, okay, now the family has decided let's trot her out for American Idol, and to in my opinion, to its shame, ABC has decided to exploit it. First of all objectively speaking look I, I can't sing all right but she's not that good she she's just not so they run all these ads hey this is claudia conway you know who my parents are and, and they, they build up this drama they exploited her now again she signed up for it her parents signed waivers so they signed up to have their kid exploited in this fashion and by a two-to-one vote she she made it through to the next round now I don't see her going anywhere unless the thing is just completely here. We, we want to keep her on the program because we want to keep people watching this this train wreck that is unfolding. But at some point in time, you, you wonder if the producers and the people who put on these shows and the parents, you know, really think about whether this is in the best interest of of the kids. Um, here's some text, Jeff. I saw her and didn't think she was very good in comparison to the others last night. Didn't care for her attitude when talking with the judges. I feel they used her because of who she is, and she'll be gone in the the first round. Well, I think they clearly use her. Jeff, this looks like another case of it's who you know instead of how you perform. They probably use this as their talking point for the season of a show. The show isn't nearly as popular as it used to B, I think there's an element of this. Jeff, um, she'll never make it farther in the show. I feel bad for her for all the drama in her life. Um, there were much better singers on. For example, watch the performance of a young lady whose mom walked out on her siblings. Um, it was raw emotion. Jeff, I watched it. The judges looked uncomfortable. The vote was not unanimous with Luke Perry voting no. It was a popular vote because, you're right, she was... She was awful. Um, Jeff, welcome to reality TV. It isn't truly real. Producers often plant ringers um, or a subject or subject unsuspecting people to public ridicule at the expense of enhanced drama and ratings. Happens all the time, typically with adults. Yeah, see, and I, I get it. I mean, I understand that reality TV isn't isn't reality. But what really bothered me about it is it's this 16-year-old who is limited talent as far as a singer who's there only because she has managed to create this controversy i mean i'm sorry and then then of course her her famous parents are focused on on this as well if i were that mom and dad there is no way that i would have let my 16 year old daughter go on that show especially given what they've been going through but like i say if i were the mom and dad i would have taken away the computer i would have shut off the internet a long time ago um jeff she was horrible jeff i saw the american American Idol that you're talking about, I thought it was really creepy. Yeah, that's that's the word that really came to mind. I thought it, it was just, it was creepy and it was exploitive. There's no question about that at all. Jeff, they did it for ratings. Yep. Yeah, they did it for ratings. They, they clearly did. And they were willing to use a 16-year-old girl. And she was willing to allow herself to be used. And for reasons that pass understanding, mom and dad, who haven't been able to keep the kid under control for years, mom and dad decided they were going to use her too. And dad even makes this cameo appearance coming in. I mean, 
Shame on ABC. I'm sorry. It's shame on ABC. And I understand it's reality TV. And I understand that you do this sometimes with adults who are really, really bad. And, you know, they're there for kind of like the comic relief. But this was a 16-year-old kid who, who should not should not have been featured in this way. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Story over the weekend, and, 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 and I understand if you're, if you're writing for a newspaper, what you want to do is you want to try to report stuff, and if you can stir up controversy, that, that's the best. And if you can find ways to take cheap shots at, at officials, particularly if they're Republicans, that, that's really good. But at some point in time, somebody just needs to say stop. For, for, here, here's the deal. Um, a lot of businesses over the last year were only able to stay in business because they signed up for these Paycheck Protection Program loans, these PPP loans, and that's where the the federal government lent out money. And as long as you used that money to, you know, keep your workers employed, you don't have to pay them back. You know, it was it was part of the overall assistance thing, and I think that many people would say it would be a, it's been just a godsend to their businesses. And there would have been a lot of people who would have been out of work um, if if there weren't for these PPP loans. And I know a lot of companies applied for these. Well, well, here's the deal: there are aspects of these PPP payments that are not taxed at the federal level. So if your company gets this, you don't have to pay federal tax on this. The way the law works in Wisconsin, though, is there is a state tax on these payments. So feds don't pay ta- don't require you to pay tax, but the state does. Now, in many states, these PPP payments aren't taxed. So what's happening is there's been legislation that's been introduced that they're going to take up tomorrow, as a matter of fact, which would essentially treat these payments for state tax purposes the same way the federal government treats them. In other words, to say that you don't you, you don't have to pay tax on these PPP payments you got as long as you've used them appropriately, as long as you've used them for the purpose it's intended. And I, I think most people agree that this um, that this is probably a pretty good idea. Now, it would reduce state tax revenue, but at the same time, you're, you're trying to help out these these businesses, and are you really helping out the businesses? So if on the one hand, you say, here here's this money, but here we, we want to claw some of it back. Well, okay, so that's the story. Well, there's a couple Republican lawmakers who, they're not full-time lawmakers. They, in addition to being in the legislature, they own their own businesses. And what they did is they took PPP loans. Robin Voss, the assembly speaker, he runs a, a popcorn business out in, in Burlington. It's been very successful. You know, he took it to help keep his workers employed, uh, preserve 44 jobs. There's another state legislature who um, works for an, an implement company. That company got a loan of $535,000 to help retain 47 jobs. They used it for the right purposes. But the story and the way it's presented is, well, 
you know these 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 lawmakers they're going to be voting on this and and it would benefit them and they're going to be voting on it because they got the loans and it would reduce their taxes well yes they they got it but however many hundreds or thousands of other Wisconsin businesses got these loans as well probably in many cases in much larger amounts use them appropriately and it would benefit them as well but the idea that you've got a handful of legislators who also applied for this to keep their businesses running and their employees out well, this is now somehow an issue. Um, and I guess bottom line is, look, I, I understand that we're searching for these stories, but in a case like this, look, if it's, if it's good for these businesses not to impose a state tax on the federal payments, consistent with what the federal government does, th- does it really matter if a couple legislators, they've managed to keep their people working as well? You, you certainly can't just exempt them. Look, this reducing this tax is a good thing, and the fact that it might benefit a couple of Republican legislators, no big deal. Bottom line is you need to do this for the businesses in the state of Wisconsin. When we come back, hey, where are those 25,000 people going to go, and should we care? I'll explain. We'll discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. The Biden administration is making yet another mistake in what I think has been a series of of mistakes that they have made. And, And this is one that's going to be tough to get out of. If you haven't heard this, the Biden administration has announced that they are already going to allow 25,000 people who have been in Mexico, who have not been allowed to enter the country. They have allowed them, they're going to allow them to illegally enter the country for the purpose of applying for asylum. This 25,000, I think, will soon become 100,000 or 200,000. And I think it's a really, really bad idea that, again, represents an intent to roll back some of the things that President Trump did. But these were things that he did that made sense. Now, here's the way the whole thing works. If, If you come into this country illegally, it doesn't stop you for requesting asylum. The problem, and we talked about this over the years, the problem is, so somebody comes into the country illegally, they avoid being thrown out of the country by saying, no, no, I want to request asylum. But then what happens is the asylum process takes a long while. And so what ends up happening is, while the people are waiting to have their asylum requests adjudicated, they just kind of disappear into the country, and you you never see them again. So the whole process is a way to avoid deportation. And it was a huge problem and a huge loophole that had been exploited over the years. In addition, this is a problem for, for Mexico, because what happens is a lot of the people that are trying to get to the United States, they're, they're, they're coming through Mexico. So they end up in, in Mexico. Well, Mexico doesn't want them. You know, Mexico can't deal with this sort of stuff, but they're in Mexico on their way to the U.S., well, what ended up happening was President Trump said, no, I'm, I'm going to put limits on the border. I'm not going to let people come in. 
And so as a result, that inspired Mexico to crack down as well. Mexico said, well, okay, you know, you can come up from Central America, but then you're going to get to Mexico. You're not going to be able to get into the U.S. So they, in turn, started cracking down on, on their border as well. Well, you have tens of thousands of people that are still in Mexico with more coming every day. And the Biden administration announced that they are going to begin allowing in these migrants who sought asylum in the United States, but were told you, you can't come in until you're here, you've had your hearing. They're going to say, just come on in. And inevitably, what's going to happen is, for the vast majority of these folks who aren't going to qualify for asylum, they're going to come in and they're just going to, again, disappear into the country, and, and maybe we'll find them, maybe we won't. What's more, by saying that you're now going to go back to the old ways and you're going to allow people to come in illegally, request asylum, and then still stay here, you know that that is going to inspire thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of more people to do exactly the same thing. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, as I've said before, I understand that, that immigration and our immigration system has been messed up for a long time. I understand that one of the Biden administration priorities is trying to figure out how we deal with the 11 million people who are in this country illegally. And we've talked about this on the program before. To me, I I can support some of the things that Biden is talking about. Now, I, I think, you know, where he makes a mistake is saying that we're going to give a path to citizenship as opposed to legal residency to people who've been in the country for, for years and haven't caused problems. But the key to any system of immigration, it seems to me, starts with controlling the borders. You control the borders so you stop the flow of illegal immigration in, and then you figure out ways to deal with the people that are already here. But if you don't control that border, you're, you're, you're just inviting trouble. And I think the Biden administration, by revert, I get it, they don't like anything that Trump did. But now just to say to tens of thousands of people, come on in. We know that you don't legally belong here, but come on in, hang out. Hopefully you'll stick around um, until you get your asylum ruling, and then you'll go back once your asylum ruling is denied. But that's not the reality. I think, you know, this is going to magnify the problems along the border by simply inviting tens of thousands of people to, again, cross illegally, and it will inspire other people to continue to do this. And it's going to make it more difficult to get the legitimate immigration reform that I think a lot of us think is necessary. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Biden administration, they've already decided 25,000 people come back on in, hang out while your asylum application is considered. I think it's bad policy. I think it's going to bite them in the butt. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The largest vaccine rollout of our time is underway as we aim to put the COVID-19 pandemic in our collective rearview mirror. Join John McCure on next Thursday, February 25th at 4 o'clock for a special WTMJ roundtable, Vax Facts. He'll be joined by Dr. John Raymond of the Medical College of Wisconsin to help answer your questions about the vaccine. Want to hear your question on the air? Well, it's easy. Give us a call, 414-203-8105. 
414-203-8105. And don't forget to join us at 4 o'clock on Thursday, February 25th, for a special WTMJ roundtable. It's called Vax Facts. How clever is that? Okay, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about... The, the Biden administration, it is in a hurry to do everything it can to roll back policies of the Trump administration. I, I get it. I understand that, and I understand where they're coming from. But some of the policies of the Trump administration made a lot of sense, including not allowing people into the country while their uh, request for asylum is pending. Because what happens is, if you let them in, they request asylum. In most cases, they know it's not going to be granted, and then they just disappear into the country and you never see them again. If you're going to have meaningful immigration reform, it seems to me that it starts by, first of all, controlling the borders. So let's limit the number of people that are pouring in. Well, Biden has said, nope. First 25,000 people who've been waiting in Mexico, we're going to let you in. Well, first of all, Mexico doesn't like that because all that does is inspire more people from Central America to come into Mexico, try to work their way up to the United States. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Jeff, let people in. The U.S. is here to help. The, quote, bad guys who get in will find ways in regardless. All right, well... If you don't think that uh, any that a country has an interest in controlling its borders, well, okay, we're just going to have to disagree on that. But there's really no major country in this world that just has open borders and lets anybody come in because there are limits on this. And, no, I don't think you can just open the borders. Jeff, this is the reason why Biden shouldn't have been elected. It's going to be a long, awful four years. Jeff, on top of what you said, there's a texter who... Maybe it's a category great mind thinks alike. On top of what you said, there's no apparent concern for bringing COVID in from the asylum seekers. So current citizens are locked up like prisoners, but people can illegally come in, no questions asked. That is such a great point. We are appropriately so in this country, talking about the the spread of the pandemic, trying to figure out ways to make sure that there's not a fourth surge and all these things. We're being told that, you know, we we, we still can't gather in public and that businesses have to be closed or the businesses have to be limited as far as the scope. And, And yet we're suddenly now going to start admitting tens of thousands of people who are coming across the border illegally. And, I, yeah, what, what is going to be the question? What, how, what is our control that we have about all these people who are entering this country illegally seeking asylum? What is our control that they're not bringing COVID in with them, that they're not going to spread it? What is our assurance? You know, we're, we're told, hey, hey sheltered place, you know, stay at home once once these folks who've illegally entered the country get in and just decide to you know, melt into the areas, what's this going to do, particularly along the borders? What's this going to do? And again, one of the things that I think is so frustrating to me about this is, to me, this hampers the legitimate conversations about immigration reform. And again, I, I think Biden... Biden makes some good points as to what he's trying to do as to how we can create at least pathways to permanent residency for people that have been in this country for a long time and haven't caused problems. But but you don't make that better. You don't make it more politically palatable. You don't make it more desirable at the same time by simply saying, all right, we're just going to open the borders to thousands and thousands and thousands of people 
people who are out there. Jeff, these policies should really frustrate the people who have come into this country and taken the effort and time to become citizens. This is a great country. I believe a lot of immigrants believe that and are willing to put in the work to um, become citizens. Um, yeah, well, I think, you know, that's that's the issue that is there. Jeff, I think this is a plan to turn Texas blue. Um, Jeff, if they get co- are they COVID tested, COVID free, or getting vaccines meant for American citizens? Well, I mean, I don't know that there's any sort of reliable COVID testing. I mean, there, if if we can't stop people from coming into the country legally to begin with, how in the world are you going to make sure that they're COVID tested before they come into the country illegally? I mean, it's just flat out not going to happen. At, at a time of, of a pandemic where we're restricting business travel between you know us and, and European nations and things of the like, appropriately so, at a time where we're talking about closing down you know certain states and limiting travel and vaccine passports, can I get an amen? It, it, it just seems to me insane to say that we're going to open up the borders to people who are not legally allowed to be here, and we're going to hope that they're going to follow the rules. And as far as COVID, well, there's no real clue as to what that's going to mean. But that's what we're dealing with now. Makes no sense. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure and Melissa Barkley have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.